Hello, and welcome to They Just Get It. My name is Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I always am, to be here with my guest this beautiful Calgary morning, Ms. Pam Krause from the Center of Sexuality. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am really good. I'm I'm extra excited today because I think not only has it been already a pleasure to meet you in the little bit of off-mic time we've had this morning, we share some common friends, Miss Carlene Donnelly, so you already come highly, and Carlene Pound, uh, Colleen Pound, but I think this is also a very interesting topic, and I think it's topical, and I think that um, from where, depending on where you're looking, there's lots of different ways to think about sexuality and what it means to us as individuals, so... On top of telling your story and kind of going through a little bit who you are on your background, I think we can take it. There's there's some side rabbit holes I think we can go down today. So I just want to really open the open the floor for wherever this conversation goes. Sounds perfect. That's great. So maybe do a quick introduction for for our audience to kind of like who you are, a little bit of your background, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. So uh, I was born in Edmonton, and uh, I grew up in the late '60s and '70s into my youth, and uh, when I was probably 13 or 14, I started to think, you know, I'm pretty different. I don't know what it is. And back in that time, there were no role models. So I thought, well, I'm different, but I don't know what it is. And so I carried on and wasn't a super happy young person. Um, And I actually really started to struggle. Um, And it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I was a lesbian. So I think really the uh, fire in my belly on the issues that I work on today were certainly formed there. Um, And it was a really rough time because it was very isolating. And I reflect now on how it is for a lot of young people, even in Calgary, Alberta, who are LGBTQ. And in some ways it hasn't changed. So, Hmm. you know, I think really the, the path my life has taken has brought me here because I always thought when I was growing up, I sure hope it's better for the next generation. So that was super important to me. And then the other path of my life was uh, I became interested, I think because of my father, who was the political opposite of me, but really interested in uh, politics. And so when I was quite young, again, and moving then moving into high school, I set my mind on pursuing something related to politics and ended up in university with a political science degree. And so I think for me, the kind of smashing together of the issues I work on and a background in the, in the political realm um, has set me on a path to social change. That's powerful. You've been in your current role for, or sorry, and you've been working with this organization in its in its current in its different forms for eighteen years. Eighteen years, yeah. That is a lifetime. Yeah. Just so we're clear for everybody, yeah. it was not always called Center for Sexuality. No, we started out in nineteen seventy two as Calgary Birth Control Association. So you know, the organization was founded by a group of women three years after birth control was legalized and homosexuality was decriminalized. So. It's a really wow. That was so yeah. late sixty nine, seventy when all yeah. that. Yeah, wow. so right. Which really so is not that long. It's really, for someone who was born in seventy three. That doesn't feel like that long ago. <laughs> I know it's really interesting. So, so what a group of women that started it. So, it started as Calgary Birth Control um, in uh, two thousand six. We changed our name to Calgary Sexual Health Center, and then just this last spring, we changed our name to Center for Sexuality to really reflect the more inclusive nature of sexuality. 
the all-encompassing. And are you guys um, are standalone? Are you directly affiliated? Are you affiliated with Alberta Health Services? Like, how, what does it look like, just kind of mechanically? Yeah, sure. So we're a standalone nonprofit organization, a okay. registered charity, and uh, what, what we've done since 1975 is provide comprehensive sex ed to kids, uh, youth in Calgary, and now in in uh, in the surrounding area. Um, we've always done some counseling work, and then we've kind of built programs around. Um, the issues and the populations who experience more vulnerability. So it's been a really interesting journey around where we've gone, for example, working with great intentionality with young men, uh, which has led to us doing a lot of work around the issue of consent and looking at populations like older adults where there's complete silence around sexuality. So we try to be responsive, but also really focus our attention on how can we play a role in having impact on individuals and then communities. So so it's really it's really cool because it's a super intertwined organization with really roots in that area of um, helping people understand their bodies, have healthy relationships, and live in healthy communities. As with so many things, it does start with, you know, the individual. Yep. And with a topic that has been pushed under the rug, like ta- taboo, don't talk about it, which yep. then represses so much of kind of who we are as individuals and Absolutely. then what comes out of that. Absolutely. Shame and like you're not connected with yourself. So just talking back on your own journey, because I know you're quite open about it, which yeah. I, I really appreciate. Uh, you're like 50s, 60s, growing up in a time when this was not accepted at all. Yeah. When, when did When did you kind of realize openly and it became this is my life choice and you kind of went forward with that how old were you just because i'm sure it's something you relate back to all the time and yeah. how you lead yeah for sure it's really it's it's quite interesting because i actually came out to the world when i was 30 um so i was born in 1961 and i came out when i was 30 because i just couldn't get on a path where i felt okay about myself and the impact of internalized homophobia and you know perhaps back then because as I said that importance of role models the importance of feeling included in community when it's not there it's incumbent on you to figure it all out and it puts quite a burden on an individual especially when you're young so it took me a long time but when I was 30 and I was working in a political role where there was a ton of homophobia and I was really struggling and I thought I'm gonna have to make a choice here of how I live my life I met my partner then, who came out when she was 19. Super comfortable with her sexuality, super comfortable being out, and I thought, yeah, no, that's how I'm going to have to live. So Having so, someone in your corner, is, it makes a huge difference. Oh, it's just, it's so remarkable. And honestly, Tyler, I think about that now. You know, every day there's still a kid somewhere who doesn't have that. So so we have to always attend to that really individual need. Um but look at the remarkable changes, thank goodness, that have happened in society around LGBTQ rights. Um, and again, you know, one of my role models is actually my partner who started Pride in 1990, um, her and a group of colleagues. And so, you know, you think to yourself, it takes people who are willing to sort of take that step forward to help us create community and then look at the remarkable miles we can make in a relatively short time. Mm-hmm. Um 
to actually make people feel like they're included. Can you look back and is there a, I know it probably happens in different parts of the world at different times, but there is also that kind of like that universal conscious. When things start to change, they kind of start to change it. Mm -hmm. Was there a watershed moment where, when it kind of turned, you said 1990 when pride, but I even remember how it was looked, I moved to Calgary in 2000 and how it was looked at then versus now. Mm -hmm. It it seems to be like, there seems to be a rapid change, but maybe not fast enough when you're on the other, like depending on what side of that you're on. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, and maybe we'll talk about that, but, but the, other part of our organization is really rooted in feminism, okay. which has been a much longer journey. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> right? so, okay, that's interesting to tie that in, that, in though. I appreciate right? that. So, okay. so, but I think with the LGBTQ rights, what's really important to realize as well, um, in Alberta, uh, LGBTQ people got rights in 1998 through the court system. So we were not afforded the same rights as other people in Canada for longer we had to, and I was part of that, um, we had to fight to get the rights. Once you have the rights, I think things can move forward faster. Yeah. Because then you don't, you're not going to get kicked out of your apartment. You can go to the Human Rights Commission, etc. There's sort of structural things that change. Well, laws change, but beliefs don't change yet. So there's, and yes. Beliefs don't change yet. Then what started to happen in, with the work that we did, we started doing anti-homophobia education in Calgary schools in 1997. As a result of teachers over and over saying to us when we went in to do sex ed, we know there's gay kids in our classrooms. We know they're struggling. They have no voice. What are we going to do to help them together? We started this program. Ten years later, youth said to us, quit calling us homophobic. (laughs) You know, I know (laughs) someone who's gay. My uncle is gay. My aunt is gay. My dad is gay. There was also that change where as people start to come out, when everybody knows someone, then people start to feel differently. It's harder to target someone that you know and love, right? Well, the name was faceless. It's, you know, wars have, wars have been fought by, by trading the, like dehumanizing the enemy. Yeah. But as soon as you have a human connection, it changes everything. Because, and that's, because inherently humans, we want to connect. We don't absolutely. want to push away. But when it's nameless, faceless, that's a different thing. You can, oh, well, that's, that's those people. Well, what to buy? Those people are your uncle, yeah. <laughs> your friend, the person who serves you. Like those things, exactly. it's different. Exactly. So now we fast forward to today where young people in classrooms who are 12, 13, 14 come out. So, so then, Such right, a different world in so so, a relatively short period of time. In a relatively say, short period like, of to, time. You got human rights in 1998. That's yeah. so, because when you hear, when I hear feminism, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I try to draw some parallels, but it's really a group being discriminated against because of the nature of who they are. So yeah. you're a woman, you can't vote, you have no rights. Yeah. So really, is that where the parallel really draws between the two of like, the, there's the most relatable group that uh, made the biggest change in the last, yeah, you know, I and again, so. ethnicity, there's so many Oh, I there's mean, so many pockets of this. Where do you start? This? There is so stop? many pockets. And I think what's so interesting about today as well is the absolute need in the movements that we work in to recognize intersectionality and who is truly marginalized. Because, you know, as I tell my story and, you know, it, it starts out sad, but I also, my partner and I have a lot of social capital. Right. You know, we live in a community where we can be out and safe and middle class and, and, uh, I think that really has has a huge impact as well on on how we can represent ourselves. Uh, trans women of color in Calgary, Alberta, um, is super marginalized right. from every direction, from structural down. So, so I think that's where our movements also have to recognize the need for being super inclusive. 
And those are not easy journeys either. Because you can move one group forward while still leaving another group behind very easily. And, and absolutely, that's uh, so interesting when you when you think when you really break it down in the world you live in when you're seeing all of these. You know, you have optics on it that yeah. maybe someone like myself doesn't have day to day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but no. you need to because that's where change happens. Right, right. And from right. A, from a government, you said political at the beginning, so you had your career in politics. Yeah. Um, the role you play now, how does that, are you doing a lot of work with the government? I'm assuming that's still pretty interrelated. Like that sounds like the perfect formula for for what you do today. Yeah, Mm. for sure. And again, I mean, I think what's really interesting with the organization I work at is social change is, is part of the DNA of the organization. So absolutely true. Now one of the pillars of the organization is related to public policy because we can change individuals. And actually, we moved from working with individuals, individuals, individuals. In 2009, we opened a training center. Now we train professionals who work with individuals to be more okay. comfortable about issues of sexuality, to more be more inclusive of LGBTQ people. And, and the change that that has made is there's now systems, organizational, sometimes government, systems that have started to change. Then you go to that highest level of, of of public policy, policy. and uh, it, it's been more difficult historically. It was a little bit easier over the last four years, but I think again, there's momentum in society that it's hard to ever take back. So I think working with government is really important. That's certainly our strategy, and you know we'll see where things will go. But I, you know, I do say about the new provincial government, I think we have to wait to see legislation to what happens. Become super there's a lot concerned. of there's some rhetoric right now, and I don't right. know. And I did some research even before, and what was you know when I know when they when they came in, there was some concerns about hey, like there's some underpinnings here that yep. are kind of going backwards. Yeah, you know. Yep. But when you started reading, it, they're like, well, yeah, but no, and it was too loose. I couldn't lock anything down which is politics yeah perfectly. that's right that's so yeah right. i'm curious for yourself is that a, like I, I i guess you answered it it's a bit of a wait and see it's a bit of a wait and see but i mean the biggest concerns we would have certainly is around uh gay straight alliances it you know has become a political football there's no question gay straight alliances are something that that people you know either see as the true value of inclusivity for youth or they struggle with what's really going on in these okay. clubs and blah blah. So, so I think I think really the gay straight alliance legislation that exists now is so important, and anything else would be a slide back. So okay. that's one that I'm really watching, and and we'll see kind of um, where it goes. Uh, in turn, the other big issue that we work on in our organization, of course, is uh, comprehensive sexual health education as public policy as government legislation. Uh, not so hopeful on that one. Okay. And you know what? I mean, the thing is, what you do in the in the nonprofit sector is you work with what you have and do what you can. And so uh, we have never had uh, sexual health education, a strong public policy or legislation on the topic. So if that's how it is, that's right. how it'll be. Well, you've come from a world of, of high need under supported. That's right. Really. That's <laughs> like exactly you've survived right. in that. That's exactly We don't have right. enough money. We don't have enough resources, but we have a need and, and we have a passionate commitment to it. Precisely. So Precisely. we, so, so we, we quote unquote, make it work. That's exactly what you have to do. So interesting. So, um, oh, so many, so many, I'm so curious about so many things. Um, one thing I do, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this one up because I've been chatting with it, a few people. Yours was the first email that I received that had pronouns. Yeah. In, in the signature, yeah. which I thought was a, a very interesting. And I think sometimes, I'm just as my own personal, where sometimes I'll trip. So, well, we share a friend, Miss Colleen Pound. Yes. And occasionally I'll say something and she'll look at me and she'll be like, 
that's this, or I'll cross a line in her mind. If I, but it wasn't intentional. Yeah. So there's always an interesting one. I got your email and the pronouns and referred to, and and maybe when did you start adding that into your email? Maybe we'll tell people what because I shared it with a few people, and, and a lot of them had never seen that. Sure, sure. So it's a fairly new thing, but I thought it was important about intent on my side versus you being clear on no, this is what's acceptable to yeah. me, and what's not yeah. acceptable. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, so we started doing it probably at least a couple of years ago. It's on our business cards as well. Okay. The thing about inclusion for our organization and and the importance of leading this is it's interesting to people. It might lead to people getting education on why why do you have that on there. But most importantly for the people it matters to, it matters so much. Right. And me identifying my gender pronouns allows other people to also use theirs and to leave that place well, of respect. Permissibility by, you said it earlier, role models, examples, that's, paving like, oh, that, that path's been walked on a little bit more. I'll feel more right. comfortable going down it. That's <laughs> right. People feel really uncomfortable still to this day of using they, them. And so again, if somebody's self-determined gender identity is they, them, if they're gender non-conforming or non-binary, um, it's important we respect that. But how do you have that conversation? How do you know? So this kind of gets it out of the way. It gives okay. you that opportunity to see it, and then you respect it and carry on. It opens the door, and at the same time, makes it a non-issue in my mind. That's exactly. It's, just, it's right. not an issue. Like That's this, exactly. Let's, right. let's not make this a thing. It's not a thing. That's <laughs> exactly right. And I think around gender identity, I you know, I think almost daily there are so many things that are so gendered that don't need to be that. So we need to really sort of have that intentionality because it's such an important part of the inclusion within the LGBT community um, and broader society now. And again, transgender people um, are coming out or gender creative children are coming out younger, um, which is the best thing. I think to myself, any time that we can have people feel safe to come out we're helping people to avoid having mental health issues. Because, well, I think feeling right. safe is huge. Yeah. Because so, insert anything after feeling safe and it's positive. Right. That's exactly right. So, so, and so that's what I think is at the end of the day, um, that's a great statement because I think that's essentially what we're trying to do. And it's very interesting because I have noticed a few more organizations in the past probably year, six months, I've noticed a few uh other places putting their pronouns on. Okay, that's interesting. So, so here we go. Because I'd heard right? about it and I just yeah. hadn't seen it. When yeah. I got your email, I, it caught my eye yeah, right away because so it, it was different. And and it was just like, oh, okay, just yeah. there we there, there we go. And I talked about it with a few people and they're like, no, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But it's great because it sparked, it sparked conversation. Absolutely. I like what you said. I think it's so much. Anytime that you live in this place of, I think it don't matter where you fit in the world, but you don't feel safe, you're repressed, you're not allowed to live who you are or who you see yourself are as you're even figuring it out. The mental health tie-in for that is very scary. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, that it's been an interesting thing for us around um, the program we started for young men called Wise Guys. So we started it in 2010. I started looking at the issue in about 20, uh, 2007 or eight, saying, you know, around sexual health stuff, we really don't include young men. You know, we used to have family planning clinics or birth control clinics. Right. That was not speaking sort of an inclusive way. As I delved deeper, I became really concerned about high rates of suicide, like really serious mental health issues that seem to be emerging, probably were already always there, for young men. So we started a sexual health program that has led to a much more deep program around healthy masculinities, healthy relationships, media literacy. And it's just been so interesting, the changes that have happened for these young men, because 
not a sense of belonging, not a sense of safety to be who, who they are. So we get groups of boys together in groups of 15 through schools and communities. What age typically are you trying Grade to nine, so 14 or 15, around 14 years old, really. Such an interesting age, puberty, Just awkwardness, trying to sort it out. getting into high school, and they honestly, Tyler, they walk in, we've done research and evaluation the whole way, they walk in at 13, 14 years old saying, I'm supposed to be the man, I'm supposed to be a provider. I'm supposed to be having sex. I'm supposed to be in a relationship. I feel shut down because what I'm if supposed I'm doing to be macho. Things? I'm supposed to act in a certain exactly. way. And there's bravado because media portrays, and we still have very much our characters in media very heavily portrayed as the dominant aggressive aggressive male figure. Absolutely. And then either the I know I had a friend who's in film, and she, her thing she's like it's either submissive girl next door or the bitch. She goes, yeah. why do we not have different? And I think it is changing. Yeah. But as kids, you grow up being exposed to that. Yeah. And absolutely. You absorb it. <laughs> absolutely. It, it, it becomes I, your learning uh, to a certain extent. Absolutely. What, what, yeah. And what I've noticed in in uh, also in popular media. The often maybe the the I think of a few sitcoms, but you know maybe the the sexy woman who comes across kind of not super intelligent. Yes, the guy who's pursuing the end of the story is he always looks like a complete idiot, and you know she carries on. Think of the impact for men on no matter how how I perform, yeah. I'm going to get shamed around something and shame. Lack of it's a powerful word. Shame is a powerful Whoa. word. And it's the root of everything. And the shocking thing is, in 18 years, way before that, it really hasn't changed. You know, to have parents, parents are so happy. We teach their children about sexuality. They literally will say to us, I, I had a city councillor in a smaller community recently say, thank God you're there because I don't want to have to talk to my kids because there's shame, there's this fear of I'm going to say something wrong, I'm going to make them something, I'm going to lead them to something. It's shocking when everything is sexualized. Right, and it is. It, is. it really is. Curling commercials have been, <laughs> have been sexualized. And it's an interesting thing around, actually. <laughs> it's, it's very true, Canadian right? reference. Well, so, right, and like you'd never really think. But with Wise Guys, we do media literacy. And we had one young man say, I see even in McDonald's commercials, their sexualization. I can't, all I can do is see this now. You know, it's really interesting. Once you open people's eyes and they have that awareness, the filter. start to link it, right? So, so for me, that's also been a huge part of my work is how can we have such a disconnect? Which is, again, why we opened the training center because we were like, we don't need to come back to group homes week after week or month after month when a staff member's sitting in that room, every time we're there, they're like, no, we're good. You can do this. So training professionals was a huge oh, thing to say, right. this is part of your responsibility because sexual beings are sec or, or individuals are sexual beings. Um, LGBTQ inclusion is your responsibility, etc. cetera. Um, we've now trained over 40,000 people in 10 years. People, it's an exponential reach for you guys. Exponential. Because you're right. If this is uncomfortable for me, and I know I can just get you to come in and yeah. handle it for me, yeah. we, we are humans. We do take the easy path from time to time. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. at the risk of not, not, I don't want to get involved, but like I don't want to get it wrong. And you know, sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes as a white male, there's yeah. things I can say that are wrong. Is like, oh no. So you start to pull back versus Absolutely. you should lean in Absolutely. with the right resources. Absolutely. So I think is when I started to do some research and the Wise Guys program, I thought was really interesting. I grew up in rural Quebec, oh. farming community. 
city, yes. great place to grow up. Yeah. But it was a hundred percent the profile of the macho breadwinner, yeah. like, yeah. and the homophobia that I had growing up as a youth, going off to college and going, and all of a sudden, like looking around, going, I am missing some information. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm my perspective is limited, and but it was interesting when you grow up in that environment. It's just what it is. Yes. Yes. You don't know there's anything missing. Absolutely. And at that point, you don't know what you're, you know, you're 18, you're 17, you're 15. You don't necessarily know what's misaligned with you or what that angst is coming from and how those, you know, sometimes can show up in violence or can show up in bullying. And, you know, and it did for me in some of those things. I look back on myself and like, I don't like that version of myself, but I didn't have any other examples to go by at the yep. time. Yeah. <laughs> like the yep. Wise Guys program, there was nothing like that, even no. close no. where I was going to school. No, no. And it's a huge part of the program is the, the men who are the facilitators. Because once again, they're near peer-ish. Some of them have been there a while, so they're yep. not as peery anymore. But <laughs> but but seriously, they're they're those young men say, "Wow, he's okay talking about this. He actually understands Back how to, to talk the about consent." You know, like it it really is a theme of, and I think within the field of of the broad field of sexuality, it's just so important because the key other key word is normalization, right? Where yes doesn't matter what works for you doesn't matter like let's talk about it and and i think there are um some segments of society that also uh really don't want us to move into that place of comfort right there's there's right. many we, institutions we, we want to keep it in the dark that's we right want, we actually want to repress it that's right and so there's confusion, that's a challenge because there right? is yeah you're not there's, just you're not just honing a road you're there's resistance i'm there's sure there's resistance and yeah. there's such strong values and i think what's so misunderstood is somehow that we care about what people's values are around the topics we want people to have information and education it is so powerful and Going back to the beginning of the organization, in 1975, we did, started doing sex ed in schools. Like, think of that. Like, that is really remarkable. Very few people, you know, outside of Calgary, very few people had that. And so right. that's another thing that's very relatable is people say, I had such crappy sex ed. I had such terrible oh, sex I'm, you, you, I immediately right? went back to grade right? seven or eight or whatever right? it was and this awkward and everybody's snickering and you know, yeah. which kind of sexuality is such an interesting because we are yeah. sexual, but yet it's been so put in the, yeah. put in the bag, yeah. throw it in the shadows, get it out of the, get it out of the way. Yeah. So yeah. then therefore what happens, ignorance, un, like uncomfort and yeah. then, and then bad outcomes. Mm. And a lack of information and, uh, you yeah. know, maybe, I don't know if we want to go here, but, but the, the door is always open. The powerful mm. tool that exists around sexuality education is pornography. And so, someone has to take on what I call this tsunami, you know, and I don't, I don't mean it from a values base, but it has always been a form of sexual sexuality education for people. Now the online great repertoire of pornography available is hard for people who aren't cognitively um, yes. in the right place to be seeing what they see. And that is pretty well understood now. And so that that's a concern, right? Because as soon as people know, we say to youth, do you think it's real? Do you think this is what sex is really like? Do you think that this is really equality? It really opens again their eyes to at least see it a little bit differently. Right. If people want, well, you're to giving use them it. a filter. But that's the thing is you're giving them a filter and you're giving them the education piece to go alongside of it to understand again, to sort of critically look at what sex and sexuality is. So, I mean, I think that that is the, is the other part, is that, that when armed with information, we can for sure make better decisions, but 
if we're only given a little piece of the pie of information, which has been the history of sexual health education, right. yes. um, <laughs> you know, then, then people are sort of just trying to figure it out um, as they go along. So I, I watched a study, I'm not sure it was a TED Talk, I can't remember what it was, but it was a gentleman speaking about the impact of our pornography, but more the pornography of today, high speed, high volume yep. download. You don't have to wait for it to download yeah, like the old right. in the old days when I might be logged in with my first <laughs> dial-in router. Yeah. Um, but they talked about the neural impact that that had yeah. on young boys of kind of that overstimulus of like quick, quick jump, jump, jump around, yeah. how it actually not only created a, a belief system that was not realistic, it actually created a neural pathways. It was prepubescent uh, boys and how you're training your brain that this is what stimulus would, this is what you require to mm -hmm. actually find pleasure in this situation yeah. and how it was setting up long-term kind of just absolute setting them up for not success in sexuality going yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It blew me I away. I was like, what made, you know, we lay, we laid it out and it's like, it's not the pornography, it's the pornography plus technology yeah. and access. Yeah, mm. for sure. And the access is I think the access is alarming um you know two clicks and you can be watching it doesn't matter how old you are you know, there used to be at yeah. least sort of stopgap an illusion stop gap. of a gate I know yeah that's right <laughs> it's that's an illusion right. yeah that it totally but but I think with the um I think that that's really true the other thing is of course that unreal expectation of bodies the impact it has on body image it's like oh my god like if that's what it looks like who am i you know and people and then and then sometimes young well, men have this having, constant filter that makes you feel inadequate like well right and so that's, and so that's it, exhausting it's just for all it's, of us because it's sure. out there for sure for sure and i think it's just like that it just becomes this cycle and i think you're right we're no we know way more because there's so much access um about the actual impact it's having on the brain, gaming, right? right? Gaming, yes. same thing. Yeah. So, so the quick little dopamine, just boom! I get, yeah, I get addicted sure. to the little highs and eliminates my ability to focus on long-term yeah, reward sure. planning and orientation. For that sure, way. yeah, for sure, and kind of you know more uh, sex on the margins, right? So stuff that's a bit you know rougher or or and you know a lot of the time it lacks context, and so once again it, it's who's looking at it, and so yeah, so I I think anything that we can do and we do around the literacy part, because of course it's also in mainstream, um, in mainstream media sometimes. It, it's really the, I think one of the most powerful tools we can have is to say to people, have some awareness of what you're looking at and if it's connected to the reality or your reality, right, right. you know, so I oh, think perspective and filters and, you know, basic it on a, on a, on a, on a place of information. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For and that's, sure. and that's a challenge because you're 12, yep. 14, yep. you know, that's right. You know, we're, I'm, I'm a grown functioning adult and I don't like everything I see. It has impact and it's yeah. all designed yeah. to create an outcome. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Just because right. it's online. I read it on the internet. doesn't make it yeah. <laughs> red, red, red flag. So <laughs> I, we're going down it cause I'm rabbit holes, which I love is what I was hoping for this conversation. Um, but you're a little bit yourself. Where did you start? Did you start in a counseling role? Did you start as a support? Like, because obviously you're in your role now. You right, probably right. start yeah, there. Yeah. What was no. the evolution as you got into this organization? Yeah, so I started out just actually as the program manager. So I, I managed the the uh, the staff, the direct service staff, and then and then uh, a few years later became the executive director. But prior to that, okay, so I, you moved into a leadership role fairly. Quickly I did, then. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, and I, right I going back though, I started at um, in 1995. I started working at the Elizabeth Fry Society, so working with women in conflict with the law, um, and I worked with youth. I did youth court work and then we did a lot of one-on-one -on -one support and I have to say the that organization grounded me in ways I never would have imagined I worked with indigenous women who were third generation homeless um it did not actually seem believable when I started to do that work how how much marginalization people had and the role of hope 
and the role of support to succeed. Elizabeth Fry is a unique organization. I, I always call it the last stop cafe because okay. at that time we would never turn anyone away. I don't know today, but at that time we would never turn anyone away. You could misbehave and come back. You could do a program and quit and come back eight times. And so it formed me to because see... Because when the messages were there for you, you have to live that. That's you have right. To do that's that. right. And yeah. so, you know, our friend Carlene Donnelly, certainly that would be yes. would be how she lives, right? In, in, in the work that she does to provide people with dignity, to have some humility around um, whoever is in front of you. Um, those were some values that I learned. And so when I got to move into a leadership role um, at Calgary Sexual, or Center for Sexuality, I was really able to bring some of that with me. Um, and I also, at the last year I opened, um, coordinated the opening of the first female-only halfway house in Alberta. And so I also really was able to hone my media skills. <laughs> because if you're you opening got some a halfway yes, house, yes. trust me, there's a lot of media attention. And we did lots of public consultation. So, you know what, I think that sort of political background and then the work that I, the direct service work I was able to do, uh, moving more into community engagement, really set me up to want to be in a place and see how we could work together to make it super relevant and impactful. And I'm so proud that I think we are for sure on that journey today. So, um, you know, I think about Colleen, I think about Carleen, and, you know, I think sort of the the similarity of journey is, you know, some grit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, yes. some savvy. Yes. And, I think grit, you know, and like, I think I'm with a big grit, fan of that word grit. I, I am too, actually. I saw Ted talk about that and I just, I feel like it's so connected because I came from a super dysfunctional family and I always thought to myself, I'm just going to work my butt off to do something right and and you know i certainly to, to change your stars here, a little bit to if change you the stars and so yeah i think grit is is super important and then also just that that you know ability to you know articulate the work you're doing around social change because i don't think people uh connect what actually happens on the ground to what you see in the media or in broader society enough. So okay, I think interesting. people like Carlene and, and Colleen speaking up and, and yep. talking about the journey well, is so important. And back to the role models and back to people that have the voice yeah. and the education That's behind right. it to bring some weight, some weight to it. Mm. That's right. That's right. Because we only should be representing who we reach. We should only be representing the people that we serve um, when we're leaders. Like I think that sort of servant leadership role that uh, in my yeah, case is feminist leadership and, and feminist Feminist leadership is very aligned with that saying, you know, uh, certainly, um, I think as a leader, we have to inspire others, but for what? <laughs> for what to do what? For <laughs> to, what them to, to, what, to what end? Right, to what for end. them to do their best work to create the impact in society that creates social change. Like, that's what I'm there to do, and it's really helpful because it kind of gets rid of some of those layers of the other stuff that we can get caught up in as leaders around yes, ego can. and and isn't that great how many times all, all that I all that all the stuff all the stuff all right the stuff. That, that and and is is again appreciated by people because not everyone wants to lead but yeah it's sort of it's sort of how we articulate it and i uh i go back all the time to my journey at elizabeth fry and i think uh, who am i Mm, yeah, pers perspective is everything. Mm. Question, you've, you said the word feminism quite a bit, and it's an interesting word for me because I think it stems, uh, it, it triggers something, and I'm going to just kind of be very forthcoming about asking the question. Um, 
as a male who, who, how do I, how should I feel about the term feminism? And that's a weird, how should I feel? But give me some perspective on the term yeah. feminism because women having rights, absolutely. And I think there's sometimes as males, you see situations where it feels like it's almost gone the other way. You're like, okay, now what, now are my rights getting taken away as kind of a recoil to yeah. this, which I get it. There's always a bounce back. So I, I'm not sure if it's a question or a statement, but I'm just, I want to play around with that, that, mm-hmm. that word a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. give it a little bit more context for the male listeners, even from, for, for myself yeah. <laughs> being blind. No, well, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, I think it has been, so misunderstood from the day it started. I think, you know, <laughs> yes, I'm I mean, really, it, yeah, I, think, I feel right? that way. It, it just sort of the generations of feminism we've been through. But I think where we need to be now is really looking at inclusive feminism. Okay. So, you know, when we talk about it, and sometimes at my organization now, we kind of toss around feminism equals social justice right, in a very broad way. Okay. Because back to what I talked about earlier, if we're not actually finding ways to create an inclusive society for the most marginalized, um, no matter what ism we we believe we we have behind us, we're not getting there. And so that's what I think is, okay. is now where we're at. I appreciate that. I think in society right now, what I really worry about the most is that space we're in, and I think we're in a revolution. Because I think you're exactly right. As people get rights, people feel they're losing rights. And it takes a lot to sort of be on that equity train when... And I worked in an employment it's not a balance sheet. It's not a balance sheet. It's not a balance sheet. And it's so easy to kind of come off that way right? sometimes, I think. For sure. And I think it's true. When at senior leadership levels, somebody who's been on a trajectory their whole life has been told their whole life, this is where I get to be. This is the journey I'm on. Uh, and somebody interrupts that and moves in right into that middle, uh, uh, a person of color gets the leadership role instead of you, that mm-hmm. maybe is a little bit tough because we have to go back to the structural where, where you know, to be honest, white men have been told, <laughs> go on this, go on this pathway, no, you're going to No, I like what you there, said. There was a right? story that was told, and instead yeah. of like, if you do this, you'll get that. And if that gets disrupted, that kind of gets you at a deep, it like, does. it's not rational it anymore. Does. It's an irrational response to like, and there might have been a lot of really good reasons you didn't get that story, yes. but it's easy to go, well, you know, to externalize yes. <laughs> and go, well, that's, it's not my fault. That's it's, right. it's because of this broader thing. That's right. And I've seen that. I've been in those conversations. I'm like, well, I don't think we're looking at all the angles of this, no. but at that point no. it's, it comes to, it gets to be emotional and very belief driven. Yes. And those are tough debates to have. And I think when we were talking before about structure versus society, in this case, it's also very tied to perception because in Canada right now today, 3% of CEOs in the corporate sector are women. <laughs> so, you know, it's not it's not changing like in five years, it's gone from three to 60. Right. It's not like, it's still a huge path and the trajectory for women is interrupted by the ridiculous things they do, like have children. <laughs> I, was, I thought, <laughs> you, know, I thought like, you were lining like up for that's, that. Right? That's, I mean, that's the reality is their, yeah. their roles. And I was reading a really interesting thing that Colleen sent me from Deloitte about a whole bunch of stuff around masculinity, this research they've done around, essentially around masculinity in the workplace. And it's fascinating. Where we haven't gotten yet is men feeling okay to take parental leave. Right. They might miss out. They might miss out on that promotion. All of those really interesting things that are holding us all back. But the perception is creating the reality that people are feeling left behind. And I think we are now in this sort of digging in phase where right. people are like, I'm not going fast from here. I'm not letting you people like define whoever that is yeah, yeah, to come the, in the and wreck people, it yeah, for me. Yeah. Wrecking it for me is not going to be okay. We still are relevant, blah, blah. 
we're going to get through this, but I think there's not a super easy journey ahead. And I think the backlash to feminism as a word, as a term, as a concept um, is real. But then when you have celebrities own it, like who was it, Emma Watson, when you have yep. celebrities own it, then suddenly it becomes interesting. <laughs> so I think hmm. what you need to, what, what I feel I need to focus on is I talk about feminist leadership and I define it very carefully. Because I want people to understand it's about inclusion. Well, there's an opportunity for a new paradigm. There's an opportunity to to speak differently. And we don't necessarily have to use the word in every place we are. But I think it's really important that we honor that this is where our organization stemmed from, the feminist movement. It was feminism that got women legal birth control in Canada. And it's a really important way that we do the work of the organization. And it really has been, I think, a lot easier for people to say, you know, we're more inclusive now, so we'll let that go. It would be super easy as we serve more boys and men to be like, you know, that's not super cool for everybody to hear. We feel it's more important. Right. I think inclusion, like, it's such an interesting, you know, I think feminism falls into one of those, the kind of lost language. Oh, feminism, I know what that means. By feminism, what do you mean? And I think that's interesting the way you used to find it, like, you know, inclusion, individuality, taking people for who they are and and bringing them all into the fold or whatever that means, whatever that means for you. It's so interesting because I think it is a, it's a charged word sometimes. Yeah, it totally is. But that's, therefore, it's a good tool because it gets attention, but sometimes not always the attention you want. (laughs) That's exactly right. But I think, what what are we even talking about today? We're talking about redefining everything. Yeah. So Yeah. yeah, when you said that word came out I was like oh I could let it go but I'm like I feel it's something that that's great it, it could be redefined yep. or it has the yep. opportunity yeah and, yep. and, it, and it's powerful so in your in your career in, in your journey um once you fa- once you kind of found your path identified with you know had the had people in your life that allowed you to really come out and identify yep. what was that path like did it kind of just open up or was there is there is there a constant like barrage of challenges you deal with or that you've dealt with like personally through the through yeah. course of your well it's I a journey it's an adventure it's a it's a journey and an adventure and I think the things that the the thing that a lot of people don't understand is around internalized homophobia it is shocking like even to this day. I'll go into a new dentist, say, and I'll be like, oh, God, here we go. They're going to ask. I'm going to say. It just, is it going to be completely safe? And going back to, I shouldn't really have to worry very much about about that because I'm very open. Right. Um, but it's still this little niggle inside. So so there's that. But I, I go back to when my partner and I first uh, moved in together. Um, so it was a couple of years after we got together. And my parents were coming to stay or coming to visit, actually. And I fixed up the house. We called it de-diking the house. So it was taking anything <laughs> away that had anything to do with being gay or being together. Uh, I got the beautiful front bedroom. My partner ended up <laughs> in the ugly back Did your parents bedroom. not? Did your parents not? And my not, parents no. didn't know at the oh, time. Oh, wow. And so here, I ca- here they come you're mid, in. You're mid-30s. Yeah, mid-30s. Uh, you're a grown, you're a grown person And here I am hiding uh, a greeting card or a picture. Um and it was really incredible. And I thought, there's still lots of work that I have to do to figure this out because my partner, Nancy, was that role model, was like, I don't care what people think, this is who I am. And I thought, 
geez, how do you get there? Did that there? create some fear? Like, did you, did, it was, you're, oh, you it had was, to, yeah. I'm sure. It was, a bi- it was a big one where she was like, I am not going to, so I anyway. I am proud of who I am and yeah. Funniest thing. Imagine seemed, the power the parents oh, do have over us, oh, isn't it? I mean, and, <laughs> That's a whole other thing. And wanting to please, right? Yeah, like not wanting to sort of upset anyone. Upset and so the apple cart. It's mm. true. And so and so Nancy was uh, did uh, a lot of stuff in the media as a, as a human rights activist. And uh, when Katie Lane came out, the newspaper uh, asked for a quote from Nancy and I hid the Calgary Herald from my father, who read the newspaper every day. And Nancy was like, this is ridiculous. You've got to figure this out. And it was still a journey. But every day and every time you don't get hatred back or where people are like, okay, whatever. It just builds that like, you know, what am I so afraid of? Right. What am I actually so Well, there's always of? a difference of the reality of what's actually happening versus the story we tell. And that's My huge. hallucinations are usually worse than yeah. reality, almost <laughs> yeah. every yeah. time. Right. <laughs> every and that's time. what it is, right? That's what it is, is, is it's that perception this person is going to be this way. But And then there, it is based on some reality. So it does lead uh, to course. sort of a yeah, mind no, that, like, yeah. oh, I don't know where I'm at here. But, but, but at the end of the day, um, the value of coming out and being out and being proud of who I am... Um, Far outweighed any of those any of those places, and to be able to be an out leader in the nonprofit sector in Calgary feels yeah, pretty Yeah, that awesome. in itself is a, probably a fairly narrow field of of peers that it's, you can connect it, totally, with. Totally, totally. So and and it's great, right? Because I think it it also is um, you know it's provided me with so much. It's been so wonderful for me. But again, you know, here we go with the role model. Hopefully. I've been able to inspire some people to say, you know, being out and being a leader are very congruent. You don't have well, to there's change some, who there's you There's a young are. girl, a young boy that, that sees you or meets you and goes, oh, I, you mean I can truly be whatever I yeah, want? Yeah, Because you get brought up with, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, unless you're gay, unless you're bisexual, unless you're trans, exactly. but then don't be those things. That's exactly. So there's a weird narrative running over here, but only for this one group. Yeah. That doesn't, yeah. like, that's just silly, actually. Exactly. Yeah, but that's what we've sure. been dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so so back to the Wise Guys program. Do you you go to schools like I, I'm just thinking? I'm a parent. I'm listening. Oh, I have yeah. a, I have a 16 year old nephew, and oh, he's yeah. very well adjusted, and his yeah. mom's a psychologist, so he has a lot. He's a broad view of the world, but I don't really know how he views these things. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't talk about that because it's still kind of weird and awkward, yeah. and he's yeah. still 16, and we have a great yeah. relationship. And if we hang out long enough, these topics will come up. because yes, you got to yes. work your way there. If he wanted to get involved with the program like like that, because that thing is really because I should have gone through that program. I wish yeah. I would have. Yeah. Not should. Yeah. I wish I would have when I was 15 but it wasn't there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we in this case, we do the program specifically for boys in grade nine because the research uh, when we started showed that's the age to really help to create different conversations for young men okay. prior to high school. We have an alumni program that we're growing, so for, for young men, you know, and then we want to really open up the conversation for young men then in that age category, um, whether they've been through the program or not, because young men are very interested in talking about the issue of consent, no matter what age they are or who right. they are, because it is uh, more complex territory than many people understood in the past. So so that's a big one. And then it also spills into the work that we've been doing with men. So again, we've been doing a lot of conversations with men in communities in music, theater, um, all kinds of arts, communities, entertainment talking about issues of consent, bystander intervention, those things. So so really, oh, it starts at Wise Guys, and it's a really intensive program. It goes over the whole school year for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half a week. Yeah, I think that's powerful what you said. This isn't a week, this isn't a weekend. This isn't no, a, this isn't no. one like you're going to change beliefs. You need to apply a constant 
environment sure. that, that shows them it's different. For so sure. it's over a year. It's over the so whole, it's over the whole school year. year. Yep. And they get together. Wow, that's, oh, I think, that, are, I think that's absolutely it's amazing. It's so cool. And they get in a room together, just them and the facilitator. And I think one of the most interesting and exciting outcomes is the sense of connection among those young men. And it's the place they go and they talk about, they have talked about literally, I take off my mask, my masculine mask, have my wise guy session. I feel like I can say anything, be anything, do anything, put that mask back on and off, off I go into the school. By the end of the school year, we're hoping that they're not wearing the mask. Right. You know, so, so, but it's the connection they feel with each other. And it's a, it's always such a wild mix of young men from the super cool jock guy, the kind of nerdy guy, oh, the sure. intellectual, the not so intellectual. And it, this mix of young men to say, the common thing is, I'm told who I'm supposed to be. The pressure of what it's like to be a boy, what it means to be a man. How do we start to unlock that? And friendship, feelings, mental health, all of that stuff is being impacted as well as concrete skills around things like sexual health and practical uh, real life, like, real yeah, life like stuff. The bystander intervention, like that's who they actually are becoming. So, you know, the next step really is around, and I'm so glad you asked about the 16, because the next step I keep saying to everybody, we have to give them booster shots because it's those next three years that can be killer. You know, I don't know that, I certainly don't know very many women, but I don't know very many people that really like high school was the best days of their lives because it was <laughs> pretty tough. terrain, right? Really tough. So well, you're discovering yourself amongst another whole bunch of other people that discovered themselves and you're bringing in essentially a version of your parents or, or whoever you're, whoever's supporting you, you're bringing in a bunch of their belief structure, yeah. which you don't yeah. even know if it aligns with, yeah, you, right? with you yet. Yeah. I, yeah. Think I was mid twenties before I went, I was given a set of beliefs and I see where the, a lot of them are handy, but there's a bunch that are not serving me anymore. Yeah. Like this yeah. is, I got some limiting beliefs by people that were, did their best job. Totally. Like, they didn't know any difference. So there's no criticism. Absolutely. No, I think that that's really It's important. easy to look back and go, oh, that's you right. should you should have, but well, I don't, if I don't know, I can't share it with you. No, that's, that's right. And the, and the constraints around, like when we talk about issues like consent, again, going back to if you were raised in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have any idea. Right. <laughs> we didn't even know the, the, the construct around, around those things. And so the other part, I think when we, when we talk about young men, we want to then interrupt, and young women, we want to then interrupt things like the very high sexual assault rates on university campuses. Those are the kinds of things that, again, we have to start and, and create different ways of having dialogue so that we're actually preventing problems before they happen. We're getting right? ahead of, you're getting ahead of that. You have to, right? Well, that early, and well, I, I'm sure you know that like, I'm a huge fan of the work that that Carlene and Cups does yeah. with the early childhood development yes, and how absolutely. they've tied very specific patterns and certain ways of of bringing up a child. Yeah. Then directly correlates to down the road their ability absolutely. to learn, their ability to retain, their ability to be well balanced as individuals emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. Absolutely. But you got to get in there. Yeah, have like, to. Once yeah. The, once once the horse is out of the barn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's we're going to go lock the door, yeah, and I think we're so reactive yeah, in our society, no, for being sure. proactive sometimes because proactive can feel inexact. Yeah. Like, oh, that's broken. Yeah. I must go fix it. Yeah. It's a different mindset. Yeah, it really is. And so, kudos for you guys for getting that. How long have you been doing the Wise Guys since 2010? Since 2010. And awesome. interestingly, we started a girls' program a couple of years ago, similar kind of concept okay. uh, for girls in grade four. You, when we talked right? on the phone, you said that just the difference grade of the age. Four. And so, so, and again, uh, girls are, are showing up with body image problems, with you know, exposure to media. It's fascinating. But again, how do we create this more equitable society is people having similar ways of looking at the world um, and learning how to have healthy relationships. I think hopefully, you know, 
not too long, but someday that's going to change society because that for me is one of the things in the last like five years I've just thought about so much is people don't actually know how to have healthy relationships. We have to give them those skills and tools. Again, if we can start with people in grade four, grade seven, grade nine, we're setting them up for success. And once those skills are there, once those tools are available, then like it's always there. That's the awesome thing, right? Yeah, yes. Like once you learn that stuff, you don't, you know, you need some maybe tips to carry on, but you don't need to relearn. But you're building off something. Like, and That's education exactly right. and learning is building. Absolutely. It's so interesting. What we do, what we learn in school, I'm going to say quote unquote, versus what we don't learn. I've been reading a book recently. Called, it's an older, I think it's from mid 2000s, but it's called The Whole New Mind oh. and by Daniel Pink. And it talks about like the last 40, 50 years, we've built an incredible amount of wealth based on the left side of the brain's function. And he goes left directed versus right. That's yeah. not exclusive, but very linear mathematics. Like, yeah. But what you're talking about is all the soft skills. Yes. And what he positions is that now that computers can do a lot of those left brain tasks, but computers are very poor at the emotional big picture people side. He goes, you know, a toddler still has better facial recognition than the best computer system. Yeah. They can pick their mom out of a crowd across the room. Right. And when I hear you talking about it, you think school, we're doing math, we're doing science, but we don't spend a lot of time learning. Like I'm going to say, I'm going to call them life skills. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. to have a relationship yeah. with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I don't, if I don't love me, I'm not going to treat everyone else around me very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's absolutely remarkable. I think, it, I think it's the key and I think it really is something that needs to be intertwined throughout because you and know, valued and put a value on it and put a value on it put some you know like do some testing if that makes people well, feel better about it, it, it does in our world we, <laughs> right? love, we want right? to see so, some, you so know, and I know that's what Carlene's done well with partnering absolutely. with Harvard and then been able like you can't dispute it anymore it that's is, exactly right it's, we all knew inherently that treating someone well when they're younger will lead to a better adult but until yeah. we can measure it somehow we don't think it's credible it's very strange it's, it's the strangest thing but and that's what like, and we do like, you're you know, like no kidding that's gonna yeah, help yeah, yeah. but but I think that's I think you're right that's the part that we see missing lots of times okay. and lots of times for young people um it might be the the skill that's missing for their first time in the workforce for yes, example right. where it's about that ability to have relationships to, to connect with other humans and to right to be part of other um yes. and i think it's ah, interesting that's so nice when you, to be part of other when you said that about about the the left brain right brain like in some ways that's what <laughs> i think of facebook of okay trying to do the left brain work using media and it fails miserably because ah, I think yeah. it's really because they're just not aligned. They're not aligned, and I think it sets us up for um, you know just I mean more on a personal, but it sets us up for damn. I wish I was there. Why wasn't I invited to that? I'm not good enough because I'm not at that party. Yeah, so therefore, like, there's, the that, there's all that stuff right that that sort of I think can come out in our because it's just this splash of somebody taking a few pictures of having fun. So. Again, I think that human connection, the ability to connect with other human beings, and interestingly, the girls' program is about individual, other, and community. Oh, so, interesting. you okay. know, we're trying to instill that in nine-year-olds to say wise guys is similar. It moves in a little bit of a different trajectory, yep. but it's that same thing. And you, like you say, you have to value you, and then you have to value being in relationship and caring about other. And then, and then community, which it is a chain of events. It, it does it is, build, it and it is, does build off. You started sure. right at the beginning. For you sure. talk about the individual. For sure, and you can't always rely on. I know from my own life experience, you can't always rely on the adults around you to also know because they may, may never have learned either. No, you, you right? might be the first generation who's going to think about it differently. Absolutely, and that's and not faulting because I can't teach you what I don't know, that's and right. I and I, I don't that's know right. I don't know what I don't know. That's exactly right, and so I think that's what's been missing around you know where, where we're at a lot with around the social issues we have today is 
People weren't focused on that, and you're so right. If only in the school system, this had started in kindergarten from from forever ago. It would be a non-event. It would, it, Someone right? would give you an alternative. You're like, well, that's even, I, why would yeah. you even think about that? Yeah, yeah. But it is so, and it takes it takes generations to change this kind of thinking. Absolutely. Because it's deep-rooted, and you've been, you've been in the trenches of it. For sure. Personally, as a personal journey, which yeah. I think is really interesting. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. And the organization, again, like it's just been, you know, this constant, you know, I call us patient and persistent, you know. <laughs> we look for doors to open and then we fly through them to try to create this different narrative that people can have. To but get some beachhead once you're there. Like, no, we need to true. lock down some it's territory. True, right? And and it used to be really hard. It used to be patience was, was ultimately required. Now, people want the expertise so they can start to figure it out themselves. And so there is that opening right. um, that, that is changing. Well, the consumer, the public, like yeah. in our world, the consumer is becoming so much more empowered. Yes, absolutely. They, they could, because you talked about the internet and all the things that it's good and bad, but what it is great for is it's a source of information. Yeah. You just need to, like everything, what are you putting into your computer? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what, what are you feeding it? That's right. And there's such a time when that knowledge, and we're so much more self-directed now. Like, yeah. I can have a chat like this, but then I'll go back and go, oh, you got me started thinking, so then I go down the rabbit hole right. and I start doing right. some research, and right. it's, out th- it's out there. Yeah, no, for sure. A topic I wanted to talk I want to bring up because I think it's interesting lately there's obviously time women's reproductive rights mm-hmm. and some of the rhetoric that I've been seeing of like are we even having like what's mm-hmm. going on and some of the things that are happening down in the US yeah. and without waiting to another hour I was curious if you could just put some it, that felt like a back that felt like a backwards event to me yeah. like what is even yeah. happening here what's yeah. driving that yeah. yeah it's it's truly alarming and as a human being if you imagine you cannot exert the right to do something with your body that you want to do, it seems quite remarkable to me. And I find it absolutely horrifying that in the U.S. that there could be such a backward slide. And I think it has been an intentional movement that has worked to be very uh, intentionally connected to politics, has then had people in the political sphere represent that very effectively. And here we are with different legislation happening. It's always been there. It's always been the biggest fight a lot of ways in the U.S. Yes. I think there's still 50-50, literally 50% pro-choice, 50 Well, I think the, the, the overall nation is more pro-choice, but the issue of abortion elicits so many values. And for me, for the organization uh, at the Center for Sexuality, again, reproductive rights is the origin of the work we've done. Yes, for sure. Um, and it's just so important, I think, for people to know when you're pro-choice, it's about providing women with three options, which thankfully are, are all legal in Canada, and letting people figure it out themselves. And it's interesting when in the States, I noticed the, the conversation a lot is around, it's the issue between a woman and her doctor. They, they talk a lot about that, but it's really about the woman and what is best for her in her life. And it's super important that we don't place judgment. We... We have to respect where people's religious or um, or other values are around the issue of choice um, and abortion. And it's pretty simple because if you don't want to have one, you don't have to have one. Right. But to take away someone's rights and to see a heartbeat bill, to see that women in a state that is not very many miles from the place you and I are sitting today, that a woman cannot access an abortion when she potentially is raped, is inhumane. And so I am very worried about where society has gone. And and I have to say, I worry in Canada because it's never a given. And I talk to far too many young women who say, 
they'd do, never do anything like that here. So right. it's, first of all, you can take away funding from abortion clinics, and then you can start to have different kinds of legislation. You never actually have to create legislation around the issue of abortion. Right. So yeah, that's what we have to pay really close attention to in our society, and I think we have to figure out ways to mobilize because, it, for me, the deep value, again, is around it's my body. Hearing it and seeing it, it's almost like you're like, what am I looking? It's easy yeah. to almost, like you said, like, well, that wouldn't happen here. Yeah. That couldn't happen yeah. here. But that's exactly how things do happen. That's right. That's right. Always be vigilant. Mm. Well, complacency is an interesting thing. And I certainly don't think the women in the U.S. have ever been complacent. But no, it's, no, I would um, you know, but, but it's an interesting thing here. How I just think we think, geez, that's too bad what's going on in Alabama. Nothing like that would ever happen here. Is a, it's, a, it's a very, very dangerous um uh, way to think, and yet at the same time, wouldn't it be great if we could, uh, with confidence, have uh, all of the rights that should be afforded to all of us, right? So, so that's yes, the other part. Yeah, we're just this. picking it on is, one specific, but, at this but it's time, ridiculous, but you're right. right? But it's just it's ridiculous that that these rights for women. And so, I think what's interesting in our conversation today is back to feminism. Right. We're not even close to there yet when women's when something rights like are that actually, can happen. Right. And it, and it feels like, and I, I look at, of course, a lot oh of Oh my God, it just feels like our whole conversation just had the bottom pull out of it. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And like, well, we, we're doing so well and we're having this proactive yeah. conversation, yeah. your organization doing yeah. so much, but this just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so in you a, have in, to, in, a, in a few hundred miles away, literally. Just, just literally. And, and, I, and around the world, what I have always noticed, Globally whether it's, is a whole other whether it's, and whether it's birth control or, or uh, other reproductive rights, um, it always seems to be the thing that's up in the air. It's always the thing that we can still have some control over. And so, you know, the, the, the road to equality, but at the same time, here's the other part because of, of, great sex ed because of access to birth control and lots of other things in society. Abortion rates are lower. Young people are engaging in sexual activity later in life. Fewer sexual partners. So the other thing about sexual health well, you said is earlier, it's, we're it's, changing. We're changing. It's changing. The, we're, and that, we're going and that, upstream. Right. And that, um, and that doesn't yeah. go back. The support that our organization yeah. has had in the last few years compared to many years before that is remarkable. And so, I mean, I think that's the thing is the, the and I think about things like LGBTQ rights, we can't really go back. You know, like nobody really is going to change same-sex marriage legislation now. So now we see LGBTQ people in communities who are families, who are married yes. with children. That sort of thing of, oh, look, you're like sort of like my life, like my family. It's, it's exactly, such a exactly huge you trajectory are. <laughs> yeah. of change, right? So, so that's that, the how thing. That, is, that must make you feel amazing. Like I know we're talking about it. That it must be amazing. such a rewarding feeling to amazing. know that you were part of that change. Absolutely. And to know how many people I know that that are, uh, you know, same-sex parents or, you know, and these kids growing up and, and super a, and well -adjusted, healthy. well-adjusted, healthy, oh, happy environments. And going to schools where teachers are super cool, principals are fine, principals are married to a same-sex partner. Like, like that's the thing that's so different. And I, I really, a few years ago, friends of mine that adopted two, two guys uh, that are married and they adopted two little boys. And it was Pride Parade Day and I was walking just past City Hall. And there were my two friends and their two little boys having a picnic in front of the famous five foundation statues. And I literally thought to myself, that's what gay is in Calgary today. 
and it's accepted and it's that almost brings it, I'm sure that almost brought it here. It does like it, there it's a family. <laughs> it's a family. That's a, it's a family doing a thing as opposed to and, and what does family mean? It doesn't mean a mom and a dad and a, it means a group of healthy, well-adjusted, supportive, nurturing like that's what yep. family really that's is. That's exactly. And com- and part of a community. And part of a community. And so they felt both, right? They're a family. Oh, that's a great story. That's great. It makes you smile. Mm. <laughs> to living in a place where that's just it's well it's not even a thing. That's you right. don't you don't even notice it any different than you just right. see a family in the that's park. Right. Like, that's right. Because if you're noticing it, it's still you have a filter. That's if you right. don't even notice it, that's actually the win. That's right. And and when we started Pride, I got involved the third year. Um, How many years it, has Pride been going? You said 1990? Since 1990 it okay. started. That's awesome. When we started it, it was 500 people who would come out and generally it was people who were more on the political activist side and it was really political and then we went on a little march and had a barbecue. The last few years, I look out in that crowd and again, it's it, it's the best. Every year I've seen family with a little baby and a man, woman, with a little yep. baby, little baby's all in rainbow clothes, or little baby has a little pride sticker, and you're like, and they're out celebrating and loving and just being so, and it actually being is part getting, of an inclusive community. And I went to the Calgary Stampede Parade last year, and I thought, oh my god, like it's sort of similar. You know, the floats are better actually. I think in pride maybe a bit, but we need more music. Well, that might be, um, controver- but yeah, yeah, that might be the most controversial the thing you said. I'll, I'll, I'll interview. Why you. did you take me there? No, I'm kidding. but but oh, I, I, but I think just, you went there on your own. <laughs> but it's just the it's just the most it's unbelievable to me how we've been able to make that change and again it's kind of a long time but it's such a short time in a rights movement so so ah, i think that's an interesting right? thing it's such a short yeah. time in a rights movement that, that's what i think and that's what we're talking about is and giving, that's what we're giving people about. rights that's exactly boil everything that's else it. away that's, just that's it why that's why it. do your rights worth less value that's less right. than my rights yeah. they don't yeah. yeah and because of the inclusion policies of corporations it's a huge corporate event now as well. And, you know, a little of a double-edged sword always. You're like, well, it's kind of corporatized, but at the same time, yeah. if TD and BMO and RBC and ATB, if they all want to get out there and do it and show their support and respect for the community, like that you also gotta take the both sides. Yeah, you, you have to take both sides. But I, but I say anyone who wants to celebrate uh, alongside, because if nothing else, it should shed light on the fact it's not done and it's certainly not done in other parts of the world. And uh, I want those little kids at home who don't feel safe yet to see a group of people that love them now, right? Permissibility and, yep. ro- and, and role models. Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel we can keep going because there's a few, yeah. but I think we might have to have a part two because there's so yeah. many other topics I really yeah. want to open up. <laughs> That's great. But I want to thank you for, one, your candor and just the willingness to come in and tell your story. Yeah. And as far as like being a role model and the work you've done in the city, like just meeting you, it warms my heart. Oh, thank so you. thank you for coming in, but thank you more importantly for the work you do. And uh, on lo- offline, we're going to talk a little bit more about how I can get involved because I'm feeling quite inspired awesome. by chatting with you today. Well, thanks so much. This so, was great. Thank you very much. And I look forward to having you you want again. You betcha.